Thanks for stopping by. I'm Corey Edwards, writer, director, comedian, official member of the ET fan club. That's right. I think I'm a lifetime member. I don't think there's any expiration date. I'm going to have to check my card. But that's right. Uh, it didn't last long, the ET fan club. Maybe three newsletters. <laughs> I was also a member of the Muppet Show fan club, the Ghostbusters fan club. If there was a fan club to join, I was joining it. The, uh, what am I talking about? Well, you know, something's happened this week. I got a couple of funny stories to tell. Um, but first, um, a piece of art came out into the world this week. Taylor Swift, old T-Swift. T-Swifty, she put out another album. She, like Beyonce, doesn't need to bother us with three months of promotion, shouting about when the album's coming out. Um, this is an artist that just needs to whisper, maybe 15 minutes early, I'm putting out an album tonight at midnight. Bloop, just drops it into the world, and then it breaks records again. And it did that. It uh, her, her album, Midnight's, is breaking records. Not just records, but like a tremendous amount of like vinyl record records. Record records, as in vinyl. She sold a lot of vinyl. I don't know why. Um, but she sold a ton of albums, and I was listening to it this week while I was working in the house. And doggone it, you know, I don't know if I'm the demographic. I'm not a teenage girl, clearly, but she writes a good song. I, I don't know that I'm saying anything new, but I was reminded as to why she is the artist that she is. Because song after song, I would hear just lyrics on this album. Lyric after lyric, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a dang good lyric. That, Oh man, what a metaphor. Good job, Taylor. Um, and it inspired me as a writer. So two things hit me. Um, you can be inspired by a different piece of art from a different world of art. You can be inspired by a painting and go home and write a short story about it. The other thing that hit me was if you're a true artist, um, you do it because you love it. You do it because you have to. Um, she doesn't need to do this anymore, guys. She, does, she doesn't need any more number one hits or record-breaking albums. She doesn't need any more money. She doesn't need to go on tour again. What, what she has to do, what she seems to be compelled to do is write songs. And she'll probably be doing it till she's 90 because it is her catharsis. It is his, her journal. It is her form of expression that she has obviously sharpened into uh, a better skill than most. And, and she has top producers ready to turn those into great songs with her. But she's compelled. She has to do this. And so for a lot of us, for the great artists in the world, you have to have something boiling deep down inside you that, that just shoves you forward and says, I have to do this. I have to write this screenplay. You know, if you're going to be a creative person, you can't be afraid to make mistakes. And we all have to just embrace that life is full of mistakes. Um, I, I make several mistakes uh, right after I get out of bed in the morning, <laughs> just even just walking through my day. Uh, but these are some historic ones. Um, I'll tell you, one was, well, I'll tell you about the band jacket. The band jacket I didn't have a letter jacket per se in high school. Um, you know, the letter jacket is is really related to sports. Eh, it was kind of a sport. It was marching band. We were we were sports adjacent. We were at the sporting events. Uh, Centennial Stars, go Stars, Columbus, Ohio. Um, so you know, at a certain point, juniors and seniors could order the band jacket, and it is a Letterman style jacket with the leather sleeves. 
and the, you know, the, the, I don't know what you call it, cotton wool uh, jacket part. And they were expensive. And on the back, they said Centennial Band. Centennial Band in, in glorious letters and uh, with a big C on the chest. And then, you know, maybe you, you do some other things in band and you get the pins that, that get pinned right on the, the letter jacket. So there's all that kind of hierarchy. And I was very excited. And uh, we weren't a big high school. We, we finally, we've ordered them. We've waited a couple of months. The letter jackets are in. The band jackets are in. We all get them out. And I think there were maybe 10 seniors. I think that's when I got it, senior year. There are like 10 of us that ordered them. Everybody else's jacket said Centennial. Not Corey's. Oh, no. Corey's jacket said Centennial. Centennial band. I don't know what the word Centennial is, but it's not supposed to be on my jacket. And I, mine was the only one. So somebody at the letter jacket factory in the embroidery department made a mistake only on my jacket. And... Um, the, the even uh, better part of that is that I just put that jacket on. You know, you speed read the back of it. You see everybody else says Centennial. You're like, yeah, we're good to go. You put the jacket on. You wear it all day around school. You're very proud. It's the first day of the new jacket. So halfway through the day is when I realized it said Centennial. And about 10 seconds after I realized it, some of the... Uh, the biggest a-holes in school noticed it and never let me forget it uh, the rest of the day. Um, in particular, uh, the one girl I had a super big crush on for four years straight and, and never, ever, ever whispered a word of it, uh, but had a big crush on her. And um, uh, one of the <laughs> football players, of course, was dating her. <laughs> did John Hughes write my high school life? I think he did. So in this part of the John Hughes script, I'm going up the steps and uh, the jock who's dating the beautiful girl that I uh, uh, had a crush on. Uh, he, he's not subtle. He says, oh my gosh, they spelled your jacket wrong, dude. Oh my gosh. He can't wait to tell everybody. And um, I, I had words for him. I turned around and I said, hey, don't worry about it. That was it. That was my comeback. Ah, I bet he's still thinking about that one. So that was mistake number one. Not my mistake, but uh, a mistake I had to wear. And then um, another mistake, also revolving around sports in some way, um, was that uh, we were in PE. I think it was fifth grade. And the fifth grade teacher, Mr. Rembert, loved him. First male teacher I'd ever had in my life. He was a cool guy, man. Everybody wanted Mr. Rembert. He says, we're going to play football today. And I'm like, oh, that game. I've heard of that game. That's the one with the pointy ends on it, right? That's the football? Like... I don't know how my dad is such a huge sports fan of all sports, and many of my relatives are, and somehow my brother and I, we, you know, I don't want to pull my brother into this, but neither one of us are big sports fans. I think my sisters, my sister can talk about sports more than I can with my dad. Um, so I, so I didn't know what was going on, man. I, I know the general idea of football, but I don't know. Don't put me in a football game. Uh, I won't even talk about the soccer game that was also uh, school PE where I looked up just in time to get a soccer ball right in the face. And I mean, that stung for about 10 minutes with uh, tears coming out of my face. And, um, but that, that's not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about the football game. So, uh, put me in the game, uh, divide up in teams and, uh, pretty much most of the game during PE was me kind of watching the game 
while being inside the game. Uh, they would go hut hut, you know, and they, you know, and then, and then uh, there would be uh, some some quarterbacking and some passing, and I would just kind of run around amongst my teammates and just try to be where the action wasn't, and because I nobody, you know, here's my problem with PE and sports in in school is he says we're going to play football, but it's not like hey, this is a class where I'm going to explain football to you. He assumes by fifth grade. Everybody knows the rules of football, so we're just going to play football. We're not going to break this down in any kind of learning uh, situation. So, so, And I think it's assumed that every American red-blooded kid um, knows how to play football. Please don't assume that anymore, because um, I sure didn't. And so I'm just kind of running around on the field, just kind of being a part of the team, and I'm just running kind of in the general direction that everybody else is running. And uh, for some reason, the teacher is one of the quarterbacks. I don't know why that is, because he's like 6'5", and could clearly just go out for the NFL. Um, But he decided to be a teacher. God bless him. So he looks up, and I know he's looking at me. So so apparently he's quarterbacking on my team, because that's how this story works out. Because as I'm running around on the field, and the play begins uh, towards the end of PE, he picks up that football, and I see him looking at me. And I know what I, you know, Mr. Rembrandt, I know... Rembrandt, I called him Rembrandt. He kind of was a Rembrandt. Um, Mr. Rembrandt, he looked at me, and I know he was thinking, hey, here's a kid that doesn't get a lot of opportunities in sports. I can tell. I have known Corey now for most of the year. You know what would be great? You know what would lift his spirits? Is if I pass the ball to Corey. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll give this kid a chance. I'll give this kid his Rudy moment. Although Rudy didn't actually get on the field and play a lot either. Um, so he looks straight at me and I'm like, no, 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 no. And he throws the ball right to me. Now, what would be best is if it would just bounce off my head, like the soccer ball did, um, in another game, uh, or I would just miss it entirely, you know, just slip through my hands. Then it could, then, then the kids could just make fun of me in my class. They could just make fun of me for not catching the ball, but I caught it. I like dead on caught it. It's whoop, perfect receiving. Right into my arms. So now I have like, I'm stretching out the three or four seconds of this just to really let you know what's going through my head. Now I begin to make a huge mistake uh, that kind of, obviously I still remember it. It has ripple effects for the rest of my life and my relationship with sports. Um, I catch the ball. And at this point in time, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm going to be honest. I, I, I don't know which way our team is supposed to go. I don't know which goal, you know, th- throughout the game, you kind of change which goal line you're running towards, right? Um, I'm not up to date on which goal I'm supposed to run towards, which um, touchdown I'm supposed to make, on which direction. So I take the ball and I kind of look around and I'm like, I'm going to pass this to someone else. And people just start going, run, run. And so I just start running in the, of course, you know, I got a 50-50 chance, right? I should never go to Vegas because, of course, with that 50-50 chance, I run the wrong direction. So I'm running in the wrong direction for about 10, 20 feet, and I just hear laughter. And I hear some of my team going, you're running the wrong way! So I just turn around, and I throw it to the first person next to me. I'm like, good, you take it. I throw the ball to them. And it's a, a girl. Again, I don't know how John Hughes gets inside my life and like writes his part of the script, but he does. Because it's another girl... That is, I would say in fifth grade, one of the prettiest girls I've ever seen in my life. Prettiest fifth grader. Like, she probably grew up and became a model. I don't know what 
what what what became of her. And her name was Heather or Colleen or Janelle. It was one of those like gazelle like names. And um, but she knew how to play football. Of course she did. And um, I threw the ball to her. And she goes, I'm not even on your team. And then the, the play just stopped. And the teacher said, time, time, time. And boy, uh, everyone had a good laugh about that. I tried to have a good laugh about that, but I feel I felt like curling up in a ball and crying in shame and never seeing any of those people again. Um, so we all shake that off and, and finish the game and finish PE and other ways. I just kind of stayed out of the way. But uh, I was legendary that day because as we all walked back into the school at the end of PE, that 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 gorgeous fifth grade girl, she was saying to some of the other students, what was up with the kid in the red shirt? What do I do with the ball? I remember it like I could I could play the tape recorder back to you. I can remember that quote. And, you know, and she put on kind of a goofy voice like you do when you imitate an idiot. What do I do with the ball? Um, and she uh, I don't know if I should be relieved by this. She didn't know my name. I was in her class all year, but she just said the kid in the red shirt. And that was me. Um, so that was a big mistake on my part. I think the initial mistake was maybe uh, a year earlier when I did not learn anything about the game of football. But uh, those were two pretty big mistakes in my uh, fifth grade and then high school career. Um, but those are mistakes that I've made. And I think that I, it's not just being embarrassed because you don't know what you're doing, but, but also I think when we make mistakes, we kind of beat ourselves up. And that goes on with art that we make or, or choices we make. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're going to uh, go out and audition for a play and we don't get it. And whatever that is that we, we will turn around and beat ourselves up. Like I shouldn't have taken that chance. I shouldn't have risked. I shouldn't have put myself out there or, um, you know, you, you, you draw something, you create something, you write something and it gets rejected. Let me tell you, if you're getting into any part of the entertainment business, you will be rejected. You will experience failure. And sometimes you might say, it's a mistake that I even tried. I, I, I made a mistake. Um, but you know what? I, I think you need to take heart because everyone, including the biggest successes in any industry, have made tons and tons of mistakes. You have to fail over and over and over and over again to sharpen your skills and get better. You have to be rejected over and over again. So I, I bring all that up to say, hey, you know what? We all make mistakes. And this week, we're going to talk about some of the biggest stars of all time, some of the greatest actors of our generation, of all of film, who have made terrible mistakes and been in terrible films. And I'm not saying that just to poke fun at them. It will be fun to talk about these movies. But it's also to say, you know, if Meryl Streep made a mistake, if Tom Hanks made a mistake this big, um, then it's okay for me to make a mistake. Huh? Right? So let's get into it. You know, when you go to see a movie, most times you say, that was a great movie. That big movie star should have been in that movie. What a great time we all had. But sometimes you walk out of a movie and you ask yourself, what were they thinking? So we're going to talk about those movies today. I thought that would be fun. Um, and my guest, my co-host this week is singer, songwriter, and movie buff, Nick Flora. Welcome, Nick. Hey, Corey. Thanks for having me. Yes. I believe you were my very first guest ever. I was. I, it's a prominent position that I hold very proudly. I wish I could say I've learned so much since then, but I haven't. <laughs> Listen, your honesty is one of my favorite things about you. <laughs> I have learned nothing. No, I probably learned three things. Yeah. Um, 
So, so we're doing kind of topic-based uh, shows when I'm not interviewing someone, and, and this this topic has always lingered in the back of my mind um, because I have I have some of my uh, favorites that I reference every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ask you, I, I I thought Nick is going to have you might have some of these already preloaded in the clip, as they say. Right, right. Um, but That's I'm sure a, is that a gun reference? I don't. Know. Is that what that is? Yeah, in your movie, gun. Uh, got it, got it, got it. Okay. I grew up in the South, but I, I've never held a gun, so I'm assuming that's what that meant. Got it. I, I can go further back and say this might have been in your quiver. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> As you fire your movie arrows. Um, yeah. So we're going to come up with a top five, uh, or hopefully you have a top five and I have a top five, mm-hmm. of truly, truly awful movies that truly big stars were in. And uh, as I've said in my earlier segment, we're not doing this to belittle or poke fun at these people but to have fun saying you know what we all make mistakes we all are swinging for the fences creatively and sometimes we miss yeah and i think that uh some of my favorite stars love to poke fun at their own uh their own uh failings it's true yeah which we love that we love a self-aware star yeah you you want to get a funny quote from george clooney ask him about batman right yeah but also i don't blame him I would be Batman too, even if it was a bad Batman. Right. Like if somebody came to you and said, look, this is the fourth Batman. Uh, this director has done some pretty crazy stuff. The script isn't even done. I'd be like, you know what? You only go around once. Yeah, seriously. I, that's the thing is I'm, I'm not, you know me pretty well. I'm not, I'm a pretty positive, optimistic guy. I give everybody the benefit of the doubt for better or for worse. And I also have been a creator for a long time like you and you understand sometimes that's why this isn't going to be we're making fun of these people, but just like, you know, sometimes things happen. Things also, happen. You know, with movies or anything, and you start off with like a vision or like, this is going to be great. And then by the end, 343,000 people have touched it. <laughs> and it's just kind of, it turns out to be a little wonky and not exactly right. what you thought it was going to be. Well, and Nick, you as an artist, you take a lot of shots at things. You take a lot of swings. And yeah. I think that a awesome. lot of artists get precious and they don't. And mm-hmm. um, I love to, to it'll be my only sports reference uh, in this interview, but uh, Michael Jordan, I always remember hearing how he probably missed more baskets than some people have taken in their whole lifetime. Yeah, it's true. Same thing with like, I mean, the, in, I'm a baseball fan and like base, the best hitters also have the biggest strikeout record. It's just, that is what we remember about them is the, is the greats. So yeah. I think, I think that's also the case if somebody is, you know, like a Clooney or somebody is, consistently good we tend to forget the 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 i don't know the moments that aren't as Clooney-esque, you know yeah well if you get more times up to bats as it were uh if we yeah. keep that going um <laughs> you have faith you have faith in the overall not even just let's keep this metaphor going not even just that game not even just those yeah. points but your career like my career is going to have hundreds of ups and downs and and you 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 have to put a little more faith in yourself as an artist that like um I, I've never seen an actor uh, work as hard as Tom Hanks. Uh, right. Maybe Sam Jackson. <clears throat> maybe, yeah. Yeah, and um, some people just like to work a lot. And so, uh, but I, I'll tell you this. I, I don't know I don't know if you have a Tom Hanks uh, movie on your list, but it's it's hard to find a bad Tom Hanks movie. I, I have one. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. I'm glad you found it. Um, there's certain stars that I was looking through, doing a little research. I thought, wow, this, these people have an amazing hit list. Um, yeah. But um, I, I found some and, and uh, <laughs> it's fun. I don't I'm not even saying that I've watched all of these movies. Me either. No, I'm just I've watched enough. I've seen enough, guys. Yeah. 
You could smell the stench from from the parking lot. There was no need to go into the theater. Right, right. <laughs> Isn't it weird though? You'll see a poster. I will, and, and I'm I'm in the movie business, so to speak. But yeah. Like, just regular people or crew people that worked on something. I'll be like, Hey, I heard you just finished working on that uh, blah 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 movie. How is it? And the and the lighting guy's like, Not good. Like. Uh. <laughs> Let, several people on the way up knew uh, this isn't good, and they just proceeded anyway. Yeah, I think well, at some point they have a job to do. They're getting paid to do a job, and you do the best you can with what you got. You know that, that's why, like, there's no judgment in this. But oof, we are, we are we are fans, and you know to a degree. I mean, I have a movie podcast, so I guess I'm technically a professional appreciator. But I oh, try yeah. to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But sometimes you just got to be like. You know, I think they would join us in most of these. And so, right, oof. right. These are these are. I think that what I have on my top five are objectively. I mean, there may be some people that you can find on Amazon that are giving these five star reviews, but but they're most of them are objectively like yeah. super weird choices. And um, and I would also say, and I, I talked to you about this uh, yesterday as we we're prepping. I think the rule is what we cannot reference are. Uh, films uh, projects that happened at the very beginning of these yes. people's careers before they were famous yeah that's not fair everybody's yeah. trying you know would you say everybody's just trying to work at the beginning you had no just whatever you can take nabisco commercials sure like whatever you know right right i mean yeah so so everybody at the beginning of their career is in something that is a little bit embarrassing or they they've got a part that isn't right for them we're all just trying to work so, exactly. so these are people, at least on my list, that were kind of at the top of their game. And maybe that's the problem sometimes. I think so. I think they get a little bit of cocky. Maybe they want to do something weird. Maybe they just want something different. I don't know. I yeah. have one, one on my list that it was directly after an Oscar win, which is what always what people are looking for. They're like, what are they going to do next? And it's a, it's a head scratcher. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I bet I know which one it is. Now, okay. um, uh, when uh, – uh, Josh Green and I, we, I didn't have, I did not plan this, but when we were talking about great movie duos, he said, let's have a guessing game. So I don't know if you want to do that where you can give me mm. some leading clues and maybe I can guess before you reveal. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm down for that. <clears throat> all right. Um, I'm going to let you go first for your number five of uh, a big, big star in a bad movie. I'm going to, I'll start with the, with the Tom Hanks vehicle. Um, this was a, around a time when he, I think himself thought that he couldn't could miss. And here's the thing. I don't blame him for this at all. I think he did exactly what was asked of him, but the movie and, and also a rare miss from these filmmakers too. Uh, oh, okay. So these are also the filmmakers that you are going, wow. The filmmaker and the star, like nothing in this movie could have missed. And it is a giant swing and a giant stinker. In my opinion, I can't find anybody who's a huge fan of this movie. Um, and it's from 2004. Do you know this film, The Lady Killers? Yes, that was my guess. That was my guess. Was it? Okay, okay, okay. Tom that, Hanks that, with a crazy accent and funny teeth, right? I, I think. Yeah, and he's he's dressed like the Colonel for some reason uh, <laughs> of KFC fame, and it's just it tries. I mean, J.K. Simmons is in it. There's a Wayans brother, I think. It's just a big. There's everybody in it for the most part is is doing their best, but oh, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. I don't want to watch it again to figure it out either. Um, but that that is, the, it's the weirdest move. And I and I appreciate an actor like Tom Hanks taking a swing because um, he is a quirky guy. You know, we've seen him enough in public to know he likes, he, he'll do voices and he's kind of America's dad, you know, he's goofy. But man, that, that was, it's the weirdest choice. The fake teeth and the, yeah, the accent. And you, you didn't even mention the filmmakers behind this. Yeah, it's the Coen brothers. Yeah. 
And I, I, I love it for them because, I mean, I love a swing, you know, a big swing for the fences. And they've done a few where you're just like, there's no way this should work. And then it's beautiful. But it's really, honestly, and I'm a huge Cohen fan. I don't, I, I think, I don't think they've made a bad movie, but except for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and uh, can you remember? I can't remember. I I can see the poster in the title. The Lady yeah. Killers was it yeah. a mystery? It's kind. It's one of those because the Coens, as, as if you, people don't know, they kind of go all over the place. They'll do something really dark, like No Country for Old Men. That literally, I mean, it has a couple moments of levity, but not really. And then they'll do they'll do something like uh, Raising Arizona. That's just zany and very clever. Or, or Oh Brother Where Art Thou was probably their most famous. Um, so it, it is kind of a, it's kind of comedy. It's, it's a heist, like robber kind of movie. Like they're trying to rob this old lady, I, I believe. Um, and it's just, I mean, honestly confusing. Like, it's almost like it, the Coen strike tone so well. Um, even, even when they're, they're straddling genres, this one doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't know what it is. <laughs> I mean, is it, is it one of those that's so bad it'd be fun to watch or is it just stay away? I, I think just because. You know, you know, when you're watching like a prequel, like you're watching the Obi-Wan series, you know that Obi-Wan isn't going to die. You're not worried about his life or Leia's life because you see them later. It's kind of like that where you know that Tom Hanks is OK. Like, you know, that these actors careers are fine. So that's kind of fun to watch because, you know, everything's going to work out. But it does kind of feel like, oh, no, are the Coens over? Is Tom Hanks just not going to work after this? Um, <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. Uh, the the lady killers. I think that on the poster it did say, "Everybody's just doing their best." <laughs> We're talking about the the crew and the, the movie. Actors and, <laughs> yeah. It's like That's that crazy. poster for that uh, Jennifer Aniston uh, Sandler movie. Just go with it. Just like, go. Is with that it. an excuse or is that the, your title? No, that was the pitch to the Netflix executives. They're like, "Just can we just go with this, please? Just just, just go with it." Yeah. Um, okay, that's great. That's great. That was that was uh, an honorable mention for me that almost crept into my list. Ooh, okay. Um, I wonder my number it... five. I am now about ninety percent certain it's on your list. Okay, okay. So I hope I don't steal your thunder. No, you're good. This is an Oscar winner, mm. and she had just won an Oscar mm-hmm. for Monsters Ball. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what this is. is and this... she took that currency is it, is it, and she it... put it into a superhero movie. Yep. 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 You, you've guessed it, I'm sure. Yeah, it's Catwoman. Oh, uh, yes. And it's kind of legendary. Uh, it's I, I almost didn't put it on here because it's so legendary and so known. Yeah. Um, but I it, the, the ratio of how high she was and how far she fell was so is so great that I thought this I, I'm at least going to put it as my number five. Yeah. Um, so this sounds like maybe this wasn't your Oscar winner that's on your list. No, it's not. Oh boy, we got two Oscar winners on this show. <laughs> uh, uh, we might have more, actually. I think we have more. Um, but yeah, oh, Halle oh, Berry. Oh. I have seen this movie. I watched it on. I did not go to the theater to see this, uh, but it was one of those where I was like, after the the atom bomb that went off critically and and financially after the movie, it that was one of those that I was like, well, I gotta check this out. Mm-hmm. And honestly, even some of the uh, the producers and the studio people were just like. I mean, who doesn't want to see Halle Berry in this outfit? I didn't even find the outfit sexy. It's kind of this torn garbage bag version of an outfit. It is. And I just nothing, as you say about your your choice. It's uh, every every scene is like, I see what they were trying to go for. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Um, 
And um, I'm not sure why. I'm sure that um, – and Halle Berry's gone on to do some like really great things. But to, to, to go right after that Oscar movie, I guess it makes sense to go, now you need to go to a, a superhero thing. You need to go to a big IP. Which um, back then, that wasn't even – the superhero movies were a few and far between compared to now. So yeah, it, it really was a head-scratcher. You know, yeah. it's, not, it's not like Scarlett Johansson or Elizabeth Olsen or somebody being like, all right, like they're they're getting nominated for Oscars, but they're also like, you know what, this is just what everybody's doing at some point. I feel like I see more often somebody is almost unknown. They do a superhero movie and then right after that or right after a Star Wars movie, you know, Daisy Ridley goes to find something small and critically acclaimed. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Absolutely. I don't know that there needs to be much more said about uh, Halle Berry and Catwoman. Uh, but she she uh, was she, she she was a Bond girl and then she won an Oscar. She uh, there's something interesting to me. It's fascinating when people are like, because she had, clearly had people around her who were like, you can't lose. Like whatever you do is going to be a smash. And she's like, I when the, when people start believing their own hype, it's very interesting to me. That's when things get really really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, and I wish I had more behind the scenes story on this. Like, did she fire her team after this, or did how did she recover? Yeah. I know that she did accept the Razzie Award that year. She went in person to accept it. So wow. um, from what I can tell in other, in other uh, PR I've seen of her, she's a great sport. And I think that that is the only way you get through this business is to mm -hmm. even laugh at your mistakes. Yeah, you have to. It's the only way. You know, we love uh, actors, especially because they, what they do is so silly. Um, and I think it's amazing. <laughs> Honestly, it blows me away. But we love to see them be self-aware and be like in on the joke. It, it's very humanizing. So yeah, we allow people to we we forgive them a little bit. But it really did seem like she was on top. A lot of these people that I'm about to mention, like they're on top of the world, and then they're like, "I can do no wrong. I yeah. do the thing that saves Catwoman." You know, that it's like that ego, <laughs> right? I want a picture that George Clooney uh, and Halle Berry went to the same bar after that opening weekend. Yeah, uh, maybe they met up, uh, Batman and Catwoman the two worst versions and uh, just had a martini. Exactly. All right. Let's hear your number four. Number four for me is another movie. Okay. There, this has a little bit of a, of a asterisk on it because it did come out after this. I'm, I'm obsessed with this idea that they won an Oscar and then boom. Uh, but this is the year that this actress won an Oscar and a Razzie in the same year. Yeah. It's a little unfair. The asterisk is this movie that she won Razzie for was actually filmed four years previous, but they, it was shelved until she kind of became hot again. And then they threw it out there. And it, it, so it's, it's a little, it's one of those that it was not going to be seen by the light of day, but they were trying to make a buck off of it, you know? Uh. So, but it was everywhere and she won, a, she won an Oscar. Uh, and then she won a Razzie in the same year, which is, I don't know if anybody else has ever done that. But. Well, I, I don't know was uh, whether the Halle Berry Catwoman was the same year. I can't tell you, but um can i take a crack at it take a crack at it i'm gonna act i'm gonna i'm gonna guess the actor first is it sandra okay. bullock it is is it all about steve it sure is <laughs> oh i almost put that on my list but i know nothing about it i just know the yeah. poster that's all i, I know. that i worked at the movie theater for one calendar year literally january to, Jan to january and it was 2009 it was the year this came out and the blind side came out which is what she won the oscar for holy cow it it, it was a interesting year to be there because that year 2009 in general was a giant head scratcher for the industry because it's the year that Will Ferrell's tentpole comedy Land of the Lost came out and flopped. Oh it's yeah. The, it's the year that like M Night Shyamalan came back with the last airbender and it flopped. It's the year that like Sasha Baron Cohen did Bruno and it flopped. Like every movie that was in the theater, they were like, this is it. Like the movie industry was 
so confused. Um, it, so it was a weird year. It was a really weird year. Um, just all the big ones didn't land. And then all these indies like Fantastic Mr. Fox and like 500 Days of Summer, like they, they did really well. And so this is an interesting, All About Steve is a giant train wreck. It has the, uh, I think it's Sandra Bullock is Bradley Cooper pre uh, Wedding Crashers or around that time. Oh, yeah. Both, I think that's the reason it got released because Bradley Cooper really was hitting a stride in, in 09. He had just done the hangover. So they're like, oh, if we can get the girl, for, you know, Sandra Bullock, America's Sweetheart from the blind side now and then also bradley cooper from the hangover they're in the same movie we're gonna make so much money and it is just it's a it's such a mess that i i i think i walked out of it i just it's it's one of those things with pacing and also i have another one on my list well actually i'm not i scratched it off there's another bradley cooper movie that might be on yours so i'm not gonna say it yet uh i have no bradley cooper movies okay go ahead and share it and i i this one hurts my heart because it's cameron (laughs) crowe's aloha um and it's it's uh, that, that one hurts my heart because I love. Wow. Yeah. 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 But it feels like it was ruined in editing or something. It's just the pacing is, you, you know, when you watch a movie, you're like, what is happening? We are zooming by right now. <laughs> like somebody, they just met and all of a sudden they're in a car together and all of a sudden they're kissing. It's just like, what is going on? So this one wow. specifically uh, all about Steve, I think a hundred percent was made because of the title, because it's a playoff all about Eve. <laughs> sure. What is <laughs> and, the plot uh, of it? I can't remember. It's, a love triangle it's, or it, it's actually pretty problematic now, but I, I believe if I remember correctly, that it's uh, Sandra Bullock becomes, she's a stalker of Bradley Cooper's character. And she basically, I can't remember what he, he's like a weatherman or something. He's some kind of like local TV guy. And she just like follows him around on, on vacation or something. Like it's, it's the same thing as <laughs> now when we look at sleepless in Seattle and you're like, Oh, Meg Ryan is a stalker. Um, this is, yeah. this isn't, this isn't cute. Um, it's only cute. Cause Meg Ryan is cute. Uh, and same thing kind of here. So she's, she's just, she's Sandra Bullock. So you're like, we allow it, but she, yeah, she's kind of following this guy around. Ken Jeong is in it. Um, I think one of his earliest performances, huh. uh, there's somebody else in it. I can't think of that was kind of a big deal. But it, it's just, it's absolutely one of those that should have been direct to DVD. But I don't know if people were buying DVDs in uh, 2009. So, but wow. man, it, it's so bad. It's so bad. Well, it was on my radar for this show. So great, great number four. <laughs> also, another weird one, 2009 was also the year that uh, Sandra Bullock did The Proposal with Ryan Reynolds. And it was a fantastic film. So I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. Well, that is a great segue. If, if you're done bashing poor All I- About Steve. Uh, I'm done. My my number four, you just mentioned her co-star. Mm-hmm. And I know that Ryan Reynolds has had some ups and downs. He, mm-hmm. he had a long time, a long road. I have always loved him, but he just couldn't find the right thing. And yeah. a lot of things bombed. And uh, so you might think, well, Corey, this is his troubled time. No, no, no. This is this is after the proposal, which was really the thing that put him back on the map. And I think it's after uh green lantern which you know people could point to that people love to point to that but it's not green lantern i'm so i don't know i don't have a guess i was this gonna is guess a film that i think many people forget even exists okay then that's probably why i can't pay, place it <laughs> it is it is just before deadpool but it is after green lantern and the proposal uh so he was he was really hot and this i don't know how this didn't derail it Maybe Deadpool was already greenlit or something. Is it this, an indie film? No, this was a big budget CGI oh. mess of a movie. Uh, he is 
co-starring with Jeff Bridges. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I remember this movie now. R.I.P.D. 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 Great. The way they're making a sequel of, I saw. I don't know what's happening. What? Yeah. They no, just no, green- no. Yeah, they greenlit us R.I.P.D. too. With who? With them? I, I don't know. I think so. I saw I saw a post about it and somebody was like, why is this happening? Like, why? We have... <laughs> why? I know it didn't it didn't make like ten dollars. I I uh wow. Really? Maybe somebody's reconceiving it because honestly, I get it. I get the title. It's a cute title, it's yeah. a great idea. It's like if Beetlejuice was a cop. It's uh it's sure. somewhere between life and death. These dead people uh go around hunting down kind of demons, I guess. Um yeah. and it Ryan Reynolds is a cop, he dies. And he's teamed up with Jeff Bridges, who's an old West or Civil War era sheriff. So they're two lawmen. It's it's an oddball, you know, a, a duo, you know, kind of cop buddy movie uh, yeah. with the undead supernatural part to it. Um, but it's uh, I did. I finally try to catch it. I recorded it on cable and I could. And this is I'm sitting uh, late at night. Everybody's asleep. Uh, it's free to me. And I could yeah. not get I could not get through it. It it uh it was so bad it made me angry. Ooh. Um, and the CGI kind of monstrous people that they went after, the kind of demon undead people, mm-hmm. uh, it's like that horrible kind of uh, pardon the pun, dead-eyed CGI. Everybody yeah. kind of looks like a video game cinematic. Yeah. And all the all the bodies that run around, they kind of look like they just kind of look blobby. They look blobby and like they don't have like muscles that make sense. And there's no physics that makes sense. People fall off of skyscrapers because they're all dead. So yeah. it kind of takes away all the stakes of like, ooh, is, is Ryan Reynolds going to get hurt? He's not. Um, and it's not even funny bad. It's just bad, bad. Yeah. And, and Jeff Bridges pulls out one of his almost unintelligible accents. Yeah. It's like he said, let me take what I did in true grit and do it more. Oh, great. Because I don't need the captions for that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and uh what else can i say about it other than uh yeah don't watch it r.i.p.d uh thank goodness deadpool well, was right a... around the corner for him i know uh, seriously all right r.i.p.d too i looked it up rise of the damned it comes out in on november 15th of this year <laughs> it Good is lord it is uh, there's no way this is going to be in theaters but it's not the original cast it's this character actor jeffrey donovan and then uh, that's the only name that i recognize well so. you know it's a whole world that maybe you could bring in other undead people i mean there was there's even the conceit that for some reason when undead people come back into our world uh they take over the body of somebody that's already here or something or they they're, they're disguised oh. in another body so yeah. occasionally they go from ryan reynolds and jeff bridges to what the world sees which is uh ryan reynolds is an old chinese man and oh. um and uh jeff bridges is like a smoking hot uh, chick yeah um, and and so there are entire scenes where it's not even ryan reynolds and jeff bridges it's just these two actors walking around um so, <laughs> and i thought why why complicate this even more why yeah anyway if you're gonna do that stunt cast it make it like meryl streep and brad pitt or something funny. yeah make it two other interesting actors or or give me more of a reason why they've got to hide out in other people's bodies um anyway That's i wonder if it's like based on like a graphic novel or something. And yes. that because that happens a lot where the graphic novel is excellent and then they just doesn't translate. Yes, I do believe so. I do believe okay. so. Maybe that's why whoever owns the rights is taking another crack. And probably it sounds like in a much more low stakes way. Um, yeah, 
It's on Amazon. I, I often I, I have mad respect for like a movie that doesn't do that well or is in a weird tone, and then they just take another shot as a series. Um, yeah. Very famously, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Although I yeah. think that movie wasn't bad and, and did pretty well, but it did, yeah. But Joss Whedon, you know, he actually suddenly does a series that's even more successful in a totally yeah. different tone. So, best of luck to them. I think in general, this fits in with the with the the theme of this episode. I think in general, we should stop making, like, take movies that didn't do well but had interesting premises and redo them and fix it, and yeah. then make it again, like remake it in that way instead of you know the way it was made before when they, they do remakes. It'd be it'd be interesting to see like, oh, like what if Mac and Me was made i don't know <laughs> that's a bad example because that was an et uh, cash grab but you know you know what i mean like oh that's a great conceit for a movie but the execution was poor yeah um, that's I the only reason to, to remake a movie i think is like yeah. you know it had a nugget there that we just never never mined properly yeah exactly all right i'll give you number three now go ahead my number three is one of our greatest actors in a movie that i have not seen but it confuses me because it's one in a series of movies that are all pretty shrug heavy. Like, I don't know why any of them got made, especially after the first one, I guess just money. Um, but it's always the answer. So this is, this is the guy who has, has, he's one of our best. He's, he's an older actor. He's been in a lot of things that have got him Oscar attention, a lot of Shakespeare uh, n- notably. And then he, he also shows up as in the Marvel cinematic universe as somebody's father. But he's he was in a movie with a bunch of robots. Oh, I know which I know I know now. <laughs> you know what it is? Well, I know it's Anthony Hopkins, right? It is, yes. And I'm gonna say because I almost put it on my list, but I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, Transformers: The Last Night or the First yep. Night? Nailed it. The Last Night. Yeah. I just I, love that that we have Anthony Hopkins saying Transformers over and over again. <laughs> I, I want to know what this conversation was to pitch to Anthony Hopkins. Like, I, I don't know why he seems like a pretty good humored guy, actually. Like, it's not like Ian McKellen who seems to take himself too seriously, but I don't know what this conversation was, but why is Anthony Hopkins in a Transformers movie? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it was purely a business decision that his managers said, listen, I mean, like There's he did one Thor, day. he was in Thor, uh, but yeah. I guess that, that Marvel already had some kind of pedigree. I, yeah, and also he was in Thor because um, uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh directed it, the first okay. one. Okay. And so I think he was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be like Shakespeare, but in comic book times or something like that. I, that's why I think originally he was in it. But this is this is a big, like, like did Kenneth Branagh direct Transformers the last night? And I just don't know. Like, <laughs> do they, I mean, I, he's, from what I can tell, he's only in it for a few scenes, but, and there's, there's no way they didn't spend like any more than one day with him, <laughs> you know, yeah. he's like, a day, but this, I'm, this is a, it's always confusing when people like this or like a Helen Mirren or somebody that you just, I don't know. She's kind of funny, but I'm trying to think of somebody who just is a serious actor and they show up in something just insanely goofy. Uh, the Transformers movies, like I couldn't even get to the second one. I thought the first one was fun, but uh, you know, and then they just kept cranking them out and changing the cast. And it's just like, I don't, I, I know they make those movies because they do really well overseas too. Yeah. Um, but this is a head scratcher for me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. They just get, yeah. He is so quiet. You know, you think about him in remains of the day where it's like, he's yeah. barely, he's barely moving his face. And these are the loudest, shoutiest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I know. This is people yelling the whole time. Yeah. Wow. 
Uh, and what did he play? He was like he was like a keeper of some old uh, yes. backstory. Yeah, he he was basically in every Transformers movie. It's so convoluted. There's always at the ninety minute. No, it uh, I counted it at one point. It was like the forty five minute mark. Wow. They stop everything and they just have a character explain what's happened so far. Um, and it's just exposition. And I think he serves that purpose here uh, because they <laughs> couldn't do it with the story because everybody was yelling so much. This might have been the one. Maybe it was the dinosaurs one where I didn't even know what the plot was till an hour into the movie. Yeah. Very. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Like, Oh, this is what the movie's about. Like, and then yeah. I paused it and you can see that timeline when you're watching it at home now. Mm -hmm. Holy cow. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. All right. Uh, my number three goes back a little ways. Uh, it's gotta be nineties. Um, but I wanted to find something uh, I, I, I'm looking at different actors and their careers. And so I was just picking like the biggest actors I could think of. So this is one of the, uh, the number one, you know, finest actors of our generation. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought she hasn't had a misstep. Has she Meryl Streep is who I was looking at. Ooh. Um, she is in a bafflingly crazy movie. I mean, from the poster, from the get go. Um, she must have it must have been at a time where she was trying different things. She had uh, uh, was this after out of a Africa? I believe so. I don't have a date on this. I should. Okay. Um, um, this will also tell you what what era it was. She was co-starring with somebody who was super hot at the time. She was co-starring with Roseanne Barr. I don't know what this is. It is a movie called She Devil. Oh and my god. It is Meryl Streep and Roseanne Barr on the cover. And uh, Roseanne, Roseanne Barr is kind of like uh, the straight man, if you will. She's like this this beautiful, um, uh, I can't remember what she is. She's very successful. She's very beautiful. And Roseanne Barr is, you know, big surprise, playing the dumpy housewife. Yes. And her husband, uh, I think through work-related means, I just watched the trailer. That's all I've seen. I I. I remember this coming out, but I've never seen the movie. But apparently, uh, Ed Begley Jr. is the husband of Roseanne Barr. He fools around and has an affair with Meryl Streep. And then the rest of the movie is Roseanne Barr getting her sweet, sweet revenge on okay. uh, Meryl Streep. So just doing terrible things to Meryl Streep and uh, and Ed Begley Jr. Um, yeah, I'm I looked it up just now. I remember this poster. Yeah. It's this, just this, to say that Meryl Streep acted with Roseanne Barr. Not in a cameo, but in a full-on, they are the two leads. It is a two-hander. That was a moment, if people will remember, if they don't realize, like, 88 to 92, Roseanne could kind of do no wrong. Right. She yeah. was a movie star. Absolutely. And and so, uh, so you've got it in front of you. What was the date on that? Was it post Out of Africa? Yeah, it's 89. Um, so Meryl Streep's at that point where she could play kind of a housewife, but I mean, she's probably in her late thirties and in, in this, but and stunning. And she she does like have that look, that look of like the perfect housewife or whatever. Um, but I'm wondering what else. That that is a head scratcher. Yeah, it is. Ba it is based on a novel, so maybe I don't know. You, you want to think like, it, it, does this is this based on something that somebody was like, oh, I love the book. I'll definitely be in that movie. You know, right, right. But this, yeah, Af out of Africa was '85, so this is a kind of a this. What a weird choice. Yeah, and I think that Roseanne Barr is obviously the, she's the uh, protagonist, and she's the one we're sympathizing with. And so, who really is the she devil? You know, yeah. I, I think yeah. she acts like a she devil, and her expression on the poster—you think, oh, Roseanne, she's a she devil. 
but I think it's really, uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Meryl Streep basically plays the villain. Um, yeah. This is an interesting arc, too, because right after that, she did Postcards from the Edge, Defending Your Life, Death Becomes Her, The River Wild, and then Bridges of Madison County, which all those movies were back to back to back to back and all got her Oscar attention for the most part. So, so what I think that's that's what you have to watch what they do afterwards to see, like, how did we forget this? You know, right. They did something so successful right after. Thank goodness that this just kind of got wiped off of everybody's that's mental. You, map. I feel like you have to put out something right away or you have to go away for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They yeah. did that. They, they, yeah, you got, you don't have that men in black mind wiper, but you got to mm-hmm. do something. Yep. You All right. something you're like, Oh, if, if it's not bothering their career, that they're just going to keep on going. I guess we'll keep on going with them. So one of my, one of my honorable mentions is exactly that, uh, which I might just throw it in there because I'm, I don't know. Am I, is this my number two? You're, you're onto your number two now. Yeah. Okay. We're headed no, to the I'm end. not going to throw that in there. I will ask you at the end though. Yeah. Um, I think so right th- before we get to maybe after our number ones, we can just shout out some, some honorable mentions. Yeah. It was one of those where I was trying to think and couldn't come up with any. And then the more I digging, I did the more I found so many. Um, this is the one where this is pretty much right after he won an Oscar. And then he picked his, his movies very carefully after that and did a couple other movies that got like Oscar attention. He never got nominated, but it is, and then he did two movies back to back that are that could only be seen as one for them, one for me. Like he, he, was, <laughs> he was asked to be in these, so he could be in the other Oscar movies, which happens sometimes. Um, Bill Murray did Razor's Edge, uh, and then they they asked him to do these other silly zany comedies he didn't want to do, like that kind of thing. But this is the guy who won a Best Supporting Actor uh, in '96 in a Tom Cruise movie, where he basically just yelled the whole time, but he's fantastic in it. Um, and he, he created a, 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 his character created a, a catchphrase that the country couldn't stop saying in that uh, movie. Uh-huh. But in these movies, they are giant stinkers. And I'm so confused by them. Hey, uh, okay. I think I know what actor you're talking about. I was going to go with Jack Nicholson because he does yell a lot in a few good men. Yep, he does. Um, but I think you're talking about Cuba Gooding Jr. I am. Do you know what the movies are? Well, there's so many to choose from after that. That's the sad part. I'm going to say Boat Trip. Because oh, boat trip. but boat he did boat trip and snow dogs i think in the same year and i'm just like what what's going on man 2002 uh boat trip is just confounding confusing like it's it's not even it's not even doing an impression of a comedy it's just it's just kind of stupid it's and you've just, seen it yes i saw it. <laughs> <laughs> i definitely saw it um I, I was in my like i'm a movie buff which means i have to watch everything phase uh, 20 years ago and thankfully I, i've saved myself from that now um you know you get wiser and you're like you know what i'll i'll wait that's a wait and see uh <laughs> now it did this also star horatio sands yeah good call good memory go. yeah it did which i don't know if he ever had like the height of snl but he was definitely like one of the him and jimmy fallon were having their moment on there yeah together and so yeah it's horatio sands i'm trying to remember who the um his his love interest is but and i think the conceit is that they go on uh, a gay cruise uh on accident yeah yeah they 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 and that's the joke the end so it's just a bunch watching it now especially i haven't seen it but i imagine there's just a a bunch of insensitive homophobic jokes over and over again um yeah 2002 is the heyday of you know that's that's what funny is um so it's just 
I, I don't understand. It's kind of, so it was kind of like uh, the gay version of Some Like It Hot, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're running around pretending to be gay because oh, I, so I think maybe uh, Cuba's love interest is working on the cruise ship, so he wants to be there is. now and be it near her, that. right? Yeah, I think you're right. But he I'm can't tell her. My favorite tidbit of this movie is uh, there's <laughs> Roger Moore is in it. <laughs> oh my gosh! I don't know what he does, but his name is Lloyd Faversham. So you know Roger Moore. That's a good. Name. Uh, one of the best Bonds. He's in Boat Trip, which I guess that could have been one of them. Roger Moore is in Boat Trip, but I think he has a. I think he has a small role. Uh. Um, you know, with the Anthony Hopkins thing, and then with this, you wonder if these actors show up and they they even see a whole script, or if they're right. just like, "Hey, we just need you for a scene or two. and they they have no idea really what they're doing. Yeah, I feel like actors that they we just need you for a day. Then yeah. they're just like, "Give me the high points." Well, got <laughs> these guys in it, and it's a comedy, and you just do this thing, and then he's like, "Ah, sure." Yeah, that's why it's wild whenever like you see those people in press junkets and they ask them about something that maybe like had a resurgence, and they're like, "I have no memory." Of doing that movie, <laughs> I don't right. know. Which... Well, and they probably like Robert Roger Moore feels like what's the worst that can happen? This is awful, and yeah. people barely remember I was in it. So, yeah, I mean, nobody remembered that he was in it. Uh, I don't think. I'm, I'm wondering if this. I don't know when he passed away, but I'm wondering if this was his last movie. That would be that that thing. No, <laughs> he died in twenty seven. I, I wonder if this were his final words. Yeah, his final words were on boat trip. Uh, he fell over the side. That was uh, last. Or like he's laying in his deathbed. And he's like, "Why did I do boat trip?" And then he passes away. Well, that makes me think of of that that scene in uh, Zombieland where Bill yeah. Murray says, "You know, do you have any regrets?" Right before he dies, and he goes, eh, "Garfield, maybe." Um, which is, <laughs> which is which is perfect for this conversation. That's great. That's great. That's a good one. That is, I, I did not remember that that existed. That was, was always was, one that uh, walking through Blockbuster, I would see on the shelf. Yeah. Um, and it was, I think it was even on the shelf where they, they would do this thing at Blockbuster where they'd say, if you liked blank, yeah. then you'll love blank. So it's like, if, if you liked Goodfellas, then you'll love Six Heads in a Duffel Bag because <laughs> they both got Joe Pesci in them. Yeah, that's true. Why would I like that? And not uh, to be this guy, but it's eight heads in a duffel bag. Oh, is it really? There How are do two, you get eight of them in there? That's, honestly, that's a big duffel bag. Yeah, I know. It really is. Uh, maybe that's how, you know, if that if that film had been a success, I think that's how they would sell duffel bags now. They'd be like, you want an eight head or a six head? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going camping. I'm going to need a six to ten head duffel bag. Like, let me put my head in there. How many of these can I fit? <laughs> right. That's how the uh, the clerk who's helping you is like, hey, hang on a second. I can't remember which one this is. He just puts his head in there. Yeah. He's like, you want, you want to take it for a test drive? Stick your head in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right, that's, that's a great title. I wish it would have been a better movie. Uh, I, that maybe should have been on one of our lists. It really should have. I forgot about that one. As did America. All right. Um, I'm going to get to my number two here. Okay. Um, this I've, I've referenced this even on this podcast already. Um this was a big movie. I think it might have even done well. I just, I am baffled by the fact that uh, this actress, um, she she does a lot of movies. When you look at her filmography, it's like a hundred movies. So like, she is just like, and, and she is getting on in years now, but she's still just doing, uh, I think she's doing like three movies a year. It's incredible how she, the output that she has. So mm -hmm. this probably just slipped through the cracks or she 
She thought it was going to, you know, it's a genre that you can't even believe she's in. Uh, it's a fantasy sci-fi, a sci-fi movie. Um, it's crazy. Okay. Um, and um, she's a dame. Oh, I know. It's Judy Dench, isn't it? Yes. Do you know the movie? No, I don't remember her being anything sci-fi or fantasy. She was in Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> what? She was? Yes. And she's this mythical uh, race of people that kind of like turn into ghosts like she moves in and out of scenes as this ghost character okay and i just kept saying over and over again i watched this late at night and i I just kept saying judy dench is in chronicles of riddick judy dench is in chronicles of riddick (laughs) i mean that's weirder than helen mirren is in a fast and the furious movie but both of these ladies have acted with vin diesel and i find that insane maybe he's the connector maybe he was like hey uh i need somebody (laughs) Help me, Helen Mirren. He's like, I think Judy Dench would do it. Um, you know, because Judy Dench, she makes so many movies. She was also in Artemis Fowl, which I almost put on here. Oh, yeah. But I think Chronicles of Riddick is the weirder uh, choice. And yeah. um, I, 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 you know, I can't even tell you what she does in the scenes. But she is, she's kind of the Ben Kenobi. She's kind of the, the mentor, the seer, the soothsayer. She warns people about something and yeah, but but she moves in and out of scenes like as this weird like sci-fi ghost uh, creature. Oh, that means she didn't have to leave the green screen room the entire time. She was just <laughs> she's just chilling on set. I guess. I guess you know that they were stoked when they found out she was going to be in the movie, like the filmmakers, because that's that is really a get. Yeah, she is. She's the uh, she has the most high status of anybody in the movie, I think. But that's just interesting choices to me, mostly because. That doesn't add anything to like people going to see the movie. There's not some dude who's like, I'm on the fence about that Vin Diesel movie. Wait, dang, Judy Dench is in it? Oh, we got to see it now. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, like, that, that, be- that's so, you know, it's so your mom will go to Chronicles yeah, of Riddick. That's right. Your, your mom's going to watch it with your dad. And she's like, okay. <laughs> like, they, they don't even, you know, she's kind of hidden from all the trailers, you know. But I would love yeah. if it was like Vin Diesel, uh, uh, Keith, oh, wait, wait, David Keith. No, Keith David. I always get those yeah. two confused, even though one's white and one's black. It's true. Uh, Keith David. Who else was in it? Uh, uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, 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 who is he? He plays uh, 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 Bones now in Star Trek. And uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's in, he's in Thor as well, I think. He's in The Boys. Yeah. Uh, almost there. His name eludes me, but he's in it. Carl Urban. Carl Urban. I love Carl Urban. And I, my apologies for forgetting your name, Carl. Yeah, when you come on the podcast, we'll apologize. So it's like Vin Diesel, Keith David, Carl Urban, and Dame Judy Dench as Ghostina or whatever her name was. I don't know. It was Arion. Oh, there up. you go. That, that does sound like a pretty good sci-fi name, Arion. It does. Yeah, All Tandy right. that too. What's yeah. that? Tandy Newton is in it as well. Oh, there you go. Well, you know, honestly, Judy Dench, she probably thought this was going to be Star Wars. You know, she was just like, I don't understand all this, but uh, these sets are cool. Wow. It's this big a budget. Let's go. It's kind of the Anthony Hopkins Transformers thing. I think that probably she, like uh, Mr. Hopkins, Sir Hopkins, was uh, just bewildered. Yeah. uh, By what was going on. I don't I bet she can't even describe the plot to us, but I would love. Oh, that would be an incredible YouTube video where she describes plots to movies. She was in for one scene. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have this thing where, like, if if I 
I would love to introduce people on an award show by their worst movies. Like, and now, ladies and gentlemen, presenting best actor, Chronicles of Riddick's Dame Judi Dench. And then Dame. she walks out. There was there was some award show where they did that. It was like Andy Samberg did that or something. I love uh, that. And it was so it was so so funny because you were like, I don't know who's coming out right now because <laughs> I, I didn't know they were in this. That's but great. That's great. Th- this is a this is one of those where I feel like the conversation was you know you know when like casting hap- lore happens where like Ben Kenobi, uh, Alex Guinness, like there was something with that where it's like he didn't even he's a Shakespearean actor. He didn't know what he was going to be in, and then he was in Star Wars. And because he, he thought it was ridiculous. He didn't know what he was doing. And so now they're, I think they use that argument now for every old actor to be in like a fantasy movie. Right. I mean, I think he's kind of the template that Lucas had a yep. bunch of unknowns. It's a weird movie. Yeah. Uh, people forget that that most people in Star Wars, like some of the, the fighter pilots and stuff and Alec Guinness were they were embarrassed to be in it. I mean, I think yep. that there's a famous letter from uh, Sir Alec Guinness where he's writing to a friend saying, I, I don't think I'm going to put this on my resume. I'm doing this strange project called Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense on paper, especially back then with what was going on in the landscape. It's it's a really odd choice, but I, I wonder how much they use agents and, and uh, managers use that as like a pitch. Like, yeah. Hey, you could be the next Ben Kenobi. Right. We need somebody. This movie needs you to anchor it with mm-hmm. with uh, legitimacy and gravity. Yeah, this, gonna make it leg- this is where I'm like, it feeds into the ego where it's like, you're going to make this legitimate. Let's go. Right, 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 right. All right, we are we are here. We are at the number yeah. one of of the big star in a bad movie. Okay, I can't wait to hear what it is. I, I bet you can guess this one. We we mentioned Roger Moore a minute ago. The, the correlation there is this was also a James Bond, and the thing that breaks my heart about this is this was his last movie. He quit show business after this, and it was a movie that was promised to be like on the level of of something like a Marvel Cinematic Universe. And oh my goodness! Just absolutely absolutely uh <laughs> tanked on a level that i remember i'm being a kid and being like i'm not gonna watch this movie um and i eventually did and i saw what they were talking about do you know what this movie is well i think you're talking about sean connery i am now my jaw dropped because i have a sean connery movie at my number one but i don't think it's the same one. Ooh, what what is what do you think mine is i think you're talking about the avengers no wasn't he in that? No, no. Was that Ray Fiennes? No. no. Ray Fiennes. Who's the villain in that one? I don't remember. I think he is... might have been the villain in the Avengers, but tell me what you're talking about. This is the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, I remember this, this one. I wanted this movie to be so good. Me too. It, and I, I've revisited it a couple of times, and like maybe it just was ahead of its time or something, and it just gets worse with age. It's And it really does depress me because of Sean Connery was pitched this movie, and, and he... It, did so poorly that he was like, I'm done. I'm not going to do anymore. Like, I'm just, I can't do this anymore. Was this, this literally is... his last film? I think so. Either this one, and I think he had already done Finding Forrester, and then that one, uh, he was promised an Oscar <laughs> before the, he was like, hey, if you do Finding Forrester, the movie where he like, where he takes in that street kid and he's like, oh, he's he's smart. We're going to teach him how to rap or whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's, that, it's that Dangerous Minds idea. Yeah. Um, which at this point, was just very degrading <laughs> to everybody involved. He's like, um, I'm going to play a white savior. There's like, yeah, there's literally a line that I, I'll never forget where he's like learning street slang and he goes, you're the man now, dog. Wow. <laughs> it's in that. And I think it was 
League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was promised that it was going to be this huge Star Wars type thing and it tanked. And then they were like, if you do this other one, you're going to win an Oscar. And he was like, if I win an Oscar, then, you know, like I'll have a second, like a third, third act, like a, a, you know, like a lot of actors do as they get older. And he didn't. And he got so mad that he just quit acting. Um, <laughs> but they, they were all around the same time. But League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, it's, it's cool. I mean, the idea, the conceit is cool. It looks kind of cool. Like, you know, it has that steampunky kind of vibe. And I, I just don't think Sean Connery knew what kind of movie he was in. It's what do you remember about it? I remember I did. I did remember seeing this. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but lots of cool stuff in it. And and yeah. it's kind of like I think it's a lot of heroes that uh, unless you're 60 years old, you don't remember who they are. There's like Alan Quartermain or there's I think Tom Sawyer's in it. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde's in it. You know, Dr. Yeah. Jekyll. Um, so it's like uh, Dorian Gray. Isn't he one of the guys? Yep. Yep. So it's, it's like all these like ancient uh, folklore kind of heroes all together. It's like it's like a steampunk Avengers, I guess. It totally is like Tom Sawyer, Captain Nemo. It's It's got this. It, it's a cool idea. Um, that's one of these. That I, I honestly was. Why don't they redo this, but do it correctly now? Like they learned yeah. what not to do. Like just fix the script and remake this. And... Well, listen, you know, I think that that's right because it's enough time has gone by. And the IP, the, the name recognition of this is pretty huge because it was a very successful graphic novel mm-hmm. um, by uh, the creator of The Watchmen. And now I'm trying to think of his name. Um, I can just picture his uh, Alan Moore, right? Alan Moore. His immense beard is what I'm picturing. Yeah, he is an extraordinary gentleman. Um, yes. So I feel like it's like I know they felt like it was going to be like a men in black kind of level franchise. Yes, I, that, that's kind of how it was pitched because there was a lot of. You know, there's a lot of uh, source material there. Um, it just, unfortunately, just it absolutely it, it just isn't engaging on any level. It's just it really is disappointing. Um, but yeah, Finding Forrester. I'm looking at it now. Finding Forrester was 2000, and then this was came out in 2003. But I think they were filmed around the same time. So this is the this is the last movie that he was he appeared in. Wow, he retired from acting after this. He's like I'm. He's like I'm done. Crossed his hands over his chest and laid down. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. He didn't die for another like seventeen years, but yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he didn't get out of bed though. No, absolutely not. But I understand. Like he gave us everything. You know what I mean? Like he he made so many iconic characters from Bond to uh, you know he's Indy's dad and he's amazing. He's just you know I, oh, I don't yeah. blame. I don't well, blame and him. I think that that's like I, I didn't know that was his last film, and and he survives any bad films. Because yeah. he's iconic. He's yeah. I, I'm trying to think of somebody, maybe Robert Redford, who is as iconic that a hundred years from now we will still reference his name. Yeah. Um, anyway, Definitely. if we're all still around a hundred years from now, am I right? Wow. Um, well, I mean, I guess I'll be like 154. Yeah. Um, so uh You're really out there. <laughs> Literally. What's that? You were, I said you're aging yourself there, literally. Yes. Age yourself okay, 100. so so I'm freaking out. I was freaking out a little bit because we're at my number one. And when yeah. you started to say a James Bond character, yeah. uh, a James Bond actor, and then I'm like, oh, my gosh, we both have the same number one. This is great. And it's not. Okay. It's another Sean Connery movie. Oh. And it's in the middle of kind of peak Connery. Uh, okay. When he's still, he's not quite the old grizzled curmudgeon. 
Um, okay. He, but but this is not an early weird film when he's not famous. This is after six. I counted six James Bond movies. Oh, so he's okay. made six James Bond movies, and then I'm trying to figure out what other movies were out at the time that maybe he was trying to. Maybe he was just invested in his filmmaker's abstract vision. Uh, <laughs> he wanted to do something weird, and it's definitely not James Bond worthy. He has a handlebar mustache in it, and oh. he's wearing not much else besides a red uh, loincloth for most of the movie. Oh. And this is a movie called Zardoz. I've never heard of this movie. Zardoz. And if you watch the trailer, you can go to YouTube right now. You can find it. Uh, the trailer, most of the trailer, somebody is just saying Zardoz over and over again. <laughs> it feels like that. It's like that Logan's Run era version of science fiction. Yeah. Uh, late seventies, maybe early eighties. I I don't have the date on it. Seventy four. It, right now, yeah. What is it? Seventy four. Seventy four. It feels like a seventy four. It is. It is. Uh, I'm trying not to curse on this show, so it's it's the most batshite crazy thing. <laughs> I think I've ever seen an actor of his stature at that point in his career do. Okay, um, everybody listening to this, just go to Google and type in Sean Connery Zardoz. The outfit is insane. Right, the images alone, the images alone. <laughs> then watch the trailer, and it is like, uh, it's like an art film. It's like um, oh. lots of dissolves and weird, just just baffling shots of things. And it's basically the distant future. And But it is, it, instead of Logan's Run, where it's this like, you know, beautiful, clean utopia. It is a barbarian culture. It is. Okay. Uh, and so there's like this tribe of barbaric people. And then there's this uh, group of incredibly advanced, intelligent people that are totally removed from the barbarian. So it's this war between class and intelligence versus, uh, you know, the barbarians. And, and uh, I think he is the freedom fighter that he's the one guy that can cross between two worlds or something. And, okay. and his his name is Zed. His name is not Zardoz. Zardoz is the name of the god character that they all worship, which is basically a giant scary face on a statue. Right. And um, I just I, I kind of want a Zardoz T-shirt. I think that this one would be a great midnight movie. I haven't seen the film. I've only seen the trailer, but I've heard about it for years. So I, yeah. I think that I just need to even if I vomit afterwards, I, I need to just say that I've seen it. Uh, some someday this it feels like just looking at the stills from the the film it looks like a mystery science theater movie like it's like they would watch it and make fun of it you know right it looks like something that was made for super low budget and surely this had to be sean connery before he was famous but again he had made six james bond movies and and he was kind of at his at his peak as a virile young leading man it's in, from the what I'm looking at. It looks he looks like Burt Reynolds. Like he has like a a Burt Reynolds thing. Yeah. Like with he has long, uh, brown like dark brown ponytail locks. <laughs> right. The outfit is insane. He's wearing boots that go all the way up to his middle thigh, um, <laughs> and then like and then basically like a jock strap that's red with two, uh, straps that go over his shoulder. But it's like when you were a kid and you put on suspenders, but you would cross them over your head so they like make an X on your chest, like uh, <laughs> it looks. Like, and that is it. And he's like running around the desert. Yeah, and the Burt Reynolds of it all is like you get a you get a lot of good looks at his uh, curly curly hairs on his chest. Yeah, a lot of curly chest hairs. Yeah, and and he uh, I don't know he's uh, it's 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 a very physical role. I I, I think there's um. 
I have to believe they covered this on one of my favorite podcasts called How Did This Get Made? Yeah. Um, and so yeah. you guys can go. And, and I, I remember hearing the episode. And so there was a lot of like um, very creative kind of free form discussion on this set of like Sean Connery and the director uh, mm-hmm. just trying out crazy stuff and, and you know, changing the script left and right. And, and um, just it, very experimental. I think that maybe all I can guess is, is that uh, Mr. Connery was so he felt like he was so structured and so controlled in the world of bond that this mm-hmm. was a way to just like throw caution to the wind. And uh, yeah, I don't know what he thought he was making. Maybe he, this is exactly what he thought he was making. He wanted to make some crazy artistic weird thing, Well, um, he did. but it's pre star Wars. So he couldn't have thought he was making that. No, the seventies was, it was kind of the wild west of film. There's so much interesting stuff happening that you have to also look at the weird like swings and misses that were also happening in that time because it was just it was the it was the time for that to happen i guess you know i mean even star wars like we were saying like was a swing it was a big swing nobody thought that was gonna hit so you know and even jaws like a lot of these big 70s movies people were like we're not betting on this to be any good or like even release (laughs) right uh you know become a classic so i mean zardoz makes as much sense on paper as star wars does (laughs) so i get it yeah, I think it's all in the editing room. It's all in the execution. It's all in, uh, well, I, you know, I haven't seen it. So maybe the script doesn't make any sense. But um, yeah, but I, yeah. Love, I can't wait for our next episode together where we just talk about Zardoz because we both watch it. And it's the most amazing film we've ever seen. <laughs> right, right. I may have a reaction like I had when I watched RRR, which is the, uh, the, the Indian action film this year that everybody must see. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, my gosh. Now, I'm not, I'm not, it is. I we I've talked about it on this podcast, but RRR, which is a weird title, yeah. but it is a super big budget, high octane action movie that came out of India last year, and uh, it is kind of a phenomenon. It's definitely a midnight movie. It's okay. like if John Woo and Michael Bay both directed the movie at the same time. Oh wow! It it is. I think they're calling it a uh, maximalist cinema instead of minimalist. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Lots of lots of wild animals and tigers and motorcycles and um, and just ridiculous. Like, it's so ridiculous. I start laughing at it. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the movie, you're like cheering that you watched it. But I, I don't know if Zardoz is going to give me that reaction or whether I'm just going to be shaking my head going, <laughs> oh, Sean. Oh, Zardoz. Oh, Zardoz. <laughs> well, what I love is that we ended with we both ended with Sean Connery movies that are kind of bookends of his career. It totally is. Yeah. Wow uh maybe somebody a, maybe it's so bad that we should remake zardoz well i should write a, a new pitch that's what i'm saying um, okay i i think you should only pitch failed sean connery movies because i think you i think you would crush league of extraordinary gentlemen and clearly zardoz has a place in your heart so that's awesome yeah well you know it's like i i, I i'm kind of frustrated uh, with with the, uh, hollywood's obsession with ip yeah so with pre-existing content i'll be like fine you want pre-existing content zardoz let's make it <laughs> right now um, one of our greatest actors was in it. You can't deny that. Yes. Um, I wonder who we would cast in the new version of Zardoz. I'm trying to pick somebody that has that machismo. Yeah, who has that kind of Burt Reynolds? Uh, I mean, honestly, I know who I want to see in it, which is Nick Offerman. But Ooh, there we go. <laughs> uh, I would love oh, if he just cool. did a shot-for-shot remake of the trailer like they used to do on Late Night Adult Swim. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, it, it definitely has uh, Offerman vibes. 
Um, well, this is uh, this has been fun, and I feel I don't feel depressed after this. I feel like um, like I just went to a crazy amusement park. Absolutely, as it should be. Where like the bolts are a little loose on the tilt a whirl, uh, the slide doesn't look safe, and the carnies don't have all their teeth. But I'm yeah. still glad I went there, and I'm going to have stories to tell. I have stories to tell. And what's amazing about our list is every actor who are like, man, what a stinker. Has we could do another podcast with movies that absolutely blew us away that they were in, you know. So I, I love that. I love that everybody's human and everybody makes mistakes. Everybody's doing their best, you know. Yes, and I'm delighted by this list. And yes. and honestly, some of these movies I am going to go watch um, just to have uh, uh, some some good fun. Yeah. Um, and and uh, <laughs> I don't know, just just uh, in my mind to send a send a little message uh, through the ether to Sean Connery to say, hey, man, you took the swing and I salute you. Absolutely. He did. Um, oh, well, Nick, Nick, this has been fun. And yeah. where can people go to find you? Where's the best place to go if they don't know? I mean, they can go. I'm at Nick Flora everywhere if you want to follow on social media. Um, and I have a podcast that uh, releases weekly called The Betterman Film Club, which is basically talking movies uh, and uh, and the messages we received from these movies that we love so much, um, just in, in hopes to be better, like to better ourselves as men and as people, just two two dudes on a on a self-improvement journey who also love nerding out about movies that's what basically what it is yes and i guarantee that that podcast contributes much more to society than this one did <laughs> i don't know we haven't talked about zardoz yet so this one already has a leg up well you you may go what what does this say about masculinity it says <laughs> these things <laughs> yeah exactly all right nick this has been fun thanks yeah thanks Corey. let's hope that neither one of us is in a project like this <laughs> Well, that's it. That's the show for this week. I'd like to thank my guest and co-host, Nick Flora. Please check out Nick's music, if you can, because it's fantastic. I'd also like to thank all the big, big stars who were in those awful, awful, crappy movies so that we could have this great hour talking about them. It was really, uh, we don't begrudge you. Uh, everyone makes mistakes, as we said. Um, you know, I had a lot of honorable mentions ready to go, and the one that I still need to mention is Everybody in Cats. Every big, big star, and there's like 15 of them, they all agreed to be CGI cats. Guys, have we, have we learned nothing? I hope we learned a lesson there. Uh, I'd also like to remind you that I do have a stand-up comedy special. It's called Munchkin Cops, and it's available on drybarcomedy.com, the app and the website. And you can rent it for, I don't know what it is, $2, $3, super cheap. Or you can even get their monthly service where you get to see all their stand-up comics um, for a monthly fee, and you can get a free month, your first month, if you use my promo code, Corey Comedy. That's C-O-R-Y-C-O-M-E-D-Y, Corey Comedy, no spaces. And if you don't want to book me for stand-up comedy or speaking engagements, you can always go to CoreyEdwards.com, and there's an email link there uh, to book me for your event. Other than that, get out, be creative, and don't be afraid to fail or make mistakes, because guess what? Even Meryl Streep uh, had one mistake. Okay, that's it. Uh, I'm Corey Edwards. Thanks for stopping by.